Kingin' Wave, Fox, Beard, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. DJ Batless, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, truckies and truckers around the globe. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That means we are live, and that means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking. Right now, 646-668-2433 is our number, and you definitely want to get that on speed dial, and you definitely want to call, because tonight we have a special treat for you, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the one, the only, Michael Jan Friedman is live in the studio with us, and I'm sure you have questions for him, so uh, give us a call, 646-668-2433. And we'll get you on the line with the one and only Michael Jan Friedman. But before we do that, I want to go around and introduce you to my awesome truck experts. We'll start off with Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good, Jim, except that I'm starting to kind of feel that itch of it being too many weeks without new Star Trek happening. I mean, thank goodness I've got some comics to kind of tide me over. And, of course, I have, you know, 55 years of canon to draw upon anyway to sort of tied me over but man it was so luxurious to have so much new trek for so long and, and i'm starting to feel that itch you know what i mean two weeks two, two weeks. weeks until picard oh, that's all i gotta wait oh man i'm never gonna make it i'm never gonna it's make close. it it's right around <laughs> you can smell it you can almost smell it it's so close <laughs> we also have on the line with us paul how you doing tonight paul did we lose paul Paul is me. <laughs> Too bad because he's very he's very witty. <laughs> we, we had Paul was there. I don't know where Paul. Paul went. This is what you get with a live show. Sometimes Paul disappears. Yeah. Sometimes Paul comes back. You never know. Well, Paul shows up on my switchboard as being here. Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll just <laughs> we'll yeah. continue on. All right. Sorry, guys. Technical there difficulties beyond there my control. God Almighty! They want, we have all this technology, and they want you to think it works. And this is the problem with growing up watching endless hours of Star Trek. You expect everything just to be perfect, and that everything will operate as you were expecting it to. Eric, you're just going through what we think of as Star Trek foreplay right now, right? You're kind of basically you're between. The exciting parts of the date. You're going to have more episodes in just a couple weeks, so hang in yep. there, man. Okay. Yep. Just gotta, just gotta last. Yeah. Gotta last en- enjoy it. the suspense. The ketchup will be pouring out of the bottle before you know it. <laughs> what you, what you gotta do is you gotta go to your to your local Walmart or Target and check out all the awesome Playmates toys, Star Trek toys that you can find there, like the Enterprise, the Phaser. 
that kind of stuff. Keep you well, busy. there are so many there's so many good toys out there, and, I, and honestly, I'm kind of always on a constant watch through. So there is a certain point in time that I marked myself right now, which happens to be season four DS9, where I'm kind of like just watching through the whole situation, right? So there's always a place to go, but that new Trek itch is something special. Yeah, well, a couple of weeks, just hang in there. And last but definitely not least, we have our very own Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. The weather's finally starting to break up. We're actually, we might see 60s by the weekend finally. I'm tired of these 30s in the morning. And trucks like the rain, Eric. You can smell it coming. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to hear something? With teasers. Mo- They've been hitting us with teasers, so you know what's coming. Yeah, I know. Looks good too. Mother Nature is so out of whack right now that up here, up here in Vermont, we're expecting 40 below zero with wind chill factor, what? 51 below up in Saranac Lake where Leslie is, and then on Monday it's going to be 43. Go figure. You know that's weird. That's an just, that's an 80 degree uh, swing. That feels different. Just, feels weird totally out of whack just out of whack hey you be happy you didn't get the rain you didn't get the rain the rain and the the snow that we sent down the uh, south and midwest this week not yet but you never know the week is still young Uh, anyways guys before we dive right in uh we want to talk just a little bit about alien con Alien Con is back. Join us March 4th through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center for a weekend of exploration and meet your favorite experts from Ancient Aliens, The Secret of Skidwalker Ranch, The Unexplained, and The Proof is Out There. Tickets at TheAlienCon.com. Now, Paul, if there's any fans out there listening (laughs) that want tickets for absolutely free weekend passes to go to alien con and listen to our past shows read our blog just say hello to us how would they do that you just love setting me up for this don't you jim well i do gosh you you crazy cats and kittens all you got to do is basically go to one place and you can do all of those fun things uncle jim's intimating it you're going to go to trektalking.com now put the g on the end don't go trek talking it's trek talking say the whole thing trektalking.com and you can go there and you can get access to whatever you need all of our past shows etc etc but there's like a little microphone icon right and if you go there you can leave a recorded message and i'm of the impression that whoever leaves the zaniest most alien obsessed message is going to score those tickets to go to AlienCon in California, we're going to meet people like Eric Von Donneken, the Eric Von Donneken. Um, it's unbelievable. You know, I'm not saying anything's going to happen with you know Julian Anderson. I don't know any of that stuff, but just go. I think you should go if you're an alien fan. But we're making it easy. Uncle Jim's enabling you. Just go leave a funny message or a crazy message or an I'm being abducted message. You you figure that out. But we know you can do it, and uh, and you'll walk away with some pretty sweet tickets to a historical event. But the truth is out there. So just head on over and leave us a message. And and you know what the best part is? They're they're digital tickets. So once you win them, I just email you the link and boom, you're there. It's that simple. So uh, do it. Do it quick. Do it. Do it. Don't wait. Go and do it now. Right now. 
And uh, <clears throat> one more little thing I want to mention. I forgot to update the numbers tonight, so I apologize for that. But I have been in contact. We are going to be giving away in the not-too-distant future – DVDs of season one of Strange New World. That's right. You heard me right. We are going to have DVDs of Strange New Worlds season one to give to you. So stay tuned to our Facebook page. Listen to the podcast for information on how to win one yourself. But if I was a betting person, I would say that the way you're going to win them is by heading over to trektalkin.com and leaving <laughs> us a message and telling us why you should have it. I, if I was a betting man, I would say that. Wow. So we have become we, so predictable. <laughs> as soon as we finish up our Alien Con giveaway, we will be going right into our um, Strange New World DVD giveaway. So, Excellent. Sounds great. Tune. All right, guys. So without any further ado, here he is. Fiction and nonfiction, more than half of which tie-in products to the Star Trek franchise. Ten of his titles have appeared on the New York Times bestseller list. He has also written for network and cable television, radio, and more than 150 comic books. Most of them for DC Comics. Here he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Jan Friedman. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey guys, how you doing? We're doing pretty good. Good to be here. Um, I I wanted to start off the show by um, by saying something to you that maybe you remember, but probably not. Way, way, way back in 1991. Mm-hmm. I hosted my very first Star Trek convention in Albany, New York, and I had two guest Star Trek authors that were at the convention. Um, of course, we have Marina Sirtis and Mark Leonard as the main you know, Star Trek guests, but I had two Star Trek authors at my first convention. One of them was the late Carmen Carter, and mm-hmm. take a while getting who the other one was. Are, are you going to say it was me? It was you, and wow. so I just uh, I just wanted to say thank you. It's been a long time, and you probably don't remember that, but uh, I just wanted to say thank you for making my first Star Trek convention in 1991 such a huge uh, success, and you and Carmen Carter uh, really played well together when we had our authors panel, so I wanted to say thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me, <laughs> and, and Carmen. And Carmen, and speaking of conventions, by the mm-hmm. way, um, a friend of ours um, is having a convention in Long Island called Trek Long Island, and I hear through the grapevine that you're going to be there. Uh, that grapevine, boy, it's like uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you can hear things on the intercom, and you're not sure if it came from the captain or not, but... You hear it on the grapevine, and it's 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 got to be the truth. Yeah, I'm going to be there. Yep, and uh, of course, Trek Talking, yours truly, Uncle Jim, is going to be there as well, and uh, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you guys want to meet Michael Jan Friedman in person, then you can head over to Trek Long Island. And by the way, if you go to trektalking.com 
you can find a link right there that will take you right to their webpage so that you can pick up some tickets and make sure that that happens. So other than Trek Long Island, uh, anything else going on that you want to mention? Well, uh, you know, actually, in about a week, I'm going to be um, at Farpoint, which is a convention uh, in uh, just north of Baltimore um, in the Hunt Valley, and, uh, and that's always a blast. So anybody who hasn't been there uh, should, uh, should make it their business at some point to go. It's a great family-run convention. But right now, even as we speak, I'm, I'm uh, running a Kickstarter uh, campaign for my latest uh, collection of short stories. It's called Thelas and Other Stories, and uh, that's T-H-E-L-A-S. And um, it's, uh, it's a collection of uh, science fiction, fantasy, superhero stories, um, and, um, and, uh, and I'm pumped about it. And uh, the, the Kickstarter campaign is about $650 away from, from our goal. And we have four days left, and it's getting uh, to be crunch time. But I'm not nervous. Am I, do I sound nervous? I'm not nervous. I'm a little Absolutely. nervous. Absolutely. All right. Okay, all right. May, that's deceptive. I'm actually very, very nervous about this. I want, you know, we, we need some help. We need some help. So anybody who's out there, you know, if, if you've read my stuff and, you, you, you know, you'd like to see more of it, please, please uh, chip in and, uh, and get us over the finish line. And how can they, uh, how can people help out with that? Where can they find the information on that? Well, it's, uh, if they go to Kickstarter and they look for the word, uh, the name Thelas, T-H-E-L-A-S, it's Thelas and Other Stories. Um, you know, they have that little uh, search uh, magnifying glass symbol. And if you, if you go to that, you click on that and you put in Thelas and Other Stories, it'll take you to the, um, to the uh, campaign page. Uh, whereupon you'll see a gorgeous piece of artwork that'll that'll be part of what graces our cover uh, if and when we get this thing, you know, funded. Um, it's it's actually by a guy named Rudy Al. He's a, a Philippine artist, and he did an amazing rendition of a scene from from one of uh, from one of the stories in the book. Excellent. That that sounds great. Now. Um, Hopefully at Trek Long Island and, and Firepoint, uh, you'll have more information available. Well, I will, but by that time the campaign will be over, <laughs> so we only have four True. days left. Four True. days left. So, uh, so you know, I'm I'll be obliged to anybody who who hears the um, the program and and scoots over there and and uh, finds a reward. You know. What I like to do in these campaigns um, is uh, give backers a chance to do things that they can't do when they walk into a bookstore and and pick out a book. Um, For instance, they can get, in in the one-time mention category, they can name a street or a character or someone in the stories. So if, you know, let's say your, your significant other has a birthday coming up, you can put them in the book, which which is a great thing that you you really can't do anywhere else, um, other than in these campaigns. Wait, um, so what so what you're saying is that for a 
a donation, you could potentially get somebody you know into a book. Someone you know or you. Oh my god. Most people actually yeah. Most people actually put themselves in, but but sometimes it's a it's a you know boyfriend girlfriend something like that wife. Can you arrange husband. to have a a coworker violently killed? Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like if I wanted to have Eric like get torn apart by some kind of space octopus, could I could I arrange for you to do that? Is that possible? I think we, we could that? we could talk about that after yeah, the show. Yeah, that's a brother. Oh, so the wheels are spinning now. <laughs> I, I, I rule it out. Okay, I wouldn't rule it out. Thank you, um, thank you, my friend. But, but in in you know, and for at a little higher level, you can you can actually make that person a character in the book. You know, where it's not just a one-time mention; they become a full-fledged character in that book in every edition of the book, and wow. uh, they're permanently ensconced in that story, like it or not. And, and then there's another level where, and, and, and this is popular too, where you can send me, you know, at another level of, of, uh, of pledge, you can send me uh, some photos of, that, of you or, or that other person, and our artists uh, depict the scene from one of the stories with that person's likeness in it. And, and it's great. Because, you know, you're flipping through the book and all of a sudden you go, oh, my God, that's me in that scene. And uh, and it's uh, it's it, again, it's a great thing that that we can do that that you wouldn't see in a in a book that you buy from, uh, you know, off the store shelves. Well, and Michael, you're I mean, I don't want I hate to jump in here, but like you're the level of donation that we're talking about here is not like millions of dollars. Right. We're, we're, we're no. talking about like very reasonable donations and, you know, the, the opportunity to maybe write the dedication for the book. Has that, is that still available? That seems that great. Is, yeah, it is actually still available. Wow. Um, you can, you, and, and people have done that, you know, they've, they've written the dedication to somebody that's, that's near and dear to them. And, um, uh, you know, it's 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 again, it's something that that you can't you can't get anywhere else. Um, and if they, you know, especially if they're a fan of my work and and uh, they get to dedicate a book that that I've written, it's uh, it's you know, it could be special. And you know, I don't want to. I'm sorry to jump in again here, but like mm-hmm. the, you're talking about the levels that are available. So, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but for a hundred bucks or more. I can get you on the horn for 40 minutes and I can talk about my writing with you and get your feedback on what's going on in my, in my mind's eye. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. 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 That's, I, I mean, in the past I've actually had a level where, you know, you send me something and I, and I comment on it, but that you know, this, that, that option can be used any way you want. Um, I'm on the, I'm, I'm yours for 40 minutes. So, uh, uh, you know, you can Zoom with me and, and we can talk. You can send me something in advance. I'll read it. We can talk about it. Um, or, uh, you know, or you could just talk to me about sports or, uh, or uh, any, any of the other, you know, weird things I'm into, like ice sailing. I mean, uh, if you're up in Vermont, you know about ice sailing. Right? Wait, 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 wait. What is ice sailing? <laughs> 
they, they, it's, it's also known as hard water sailing, just to give you an idea. It's a, you go out on a frozen lake and um, in a rig that sort of, it's sort of like two skates, two big skates joined in the middle and there's a sail and you, and you, you sail on the ice as you would on the water. It's crazy, I know. That sounds amazing. So like a catamaran kind of a thing. It's like a catamaran. It is. It, it looks like a cat, and it's um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and you go fast. You go like three times the wind speed because there you're not drawing any water. You're not. You have very little friction to speak of, so you go pretty pretty quickly. You just have very to be cool, careful. Very cool, man. Just got to watch out for the soft spots in the ice. And yeah, don't forget your helmet. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Wow. But uh, anyway, but this, you know, this is a, a, the the book itself is something that, um, you know, I'm only accountable to me. There is no company telling me what I, you know, uh, no publisher telling me what I can and can't put in. Um, and and so you get the uh, the uh, unvarnished, uh, authentic uh, um, stories that I would want to read. Um, there is, uh, there is, uh, in addition to the, to the title, to the, to the story in the title, Thelos, um, there's a, um, there are superhero stories, for instance, one's called Veneer, and it's about, uh, a guy who has a, we'll call it, you know, we'll, we'll just say it's an Iron Man type suit. He hasn't worn it in a while. And, uh, some of, some people near and dear to him are threatened and he's got a, put on the suit to uh to uh to save them but the problem is he's he's um got this weird form of claustrophobia which actually I have and he can't tolerate anything constraining him oh, against wow. against his skin yeah and i actually i'm actually plagued by that and uh and so he, so here's a guy who can put on a suit and save his loved ones, except he can't put on the suit because of this this intolerance. Um, so that's that's called veneer, and that's one of the stories in the book. I love that um, because it it brings that like total human element to it, right? Like uh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the reality of how an actual person might have some situation that you know best intentions uh, forward they. They, they just can't execute because there's some limitation. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I like to do that. You, you'll find that in a number of my stories, um, fantasy, science fiction, superhero stories, whatever they are. Um, I like to take something real and introduce it into an unreal situation um, and uh, like a superhero situation or you know, fighting a dragon or, uh, you know, out in a space battle or, or something like that. In one of my, in one of my uh, previous short story collections, it was called Headless and Other Stories, basically. And um, it was about a species of um, extraterrestrial uh, who's serving aboard a Star Trek-type uh, ship. And... Um, uh, his problem is that he in his his species um is like the praying mantis 
in that during the Procreation Act, the female bites the male's head off. And these, these species, in this species, the male has some backup systems, but they're not nearly as good as the, his original head. So, so he's, he's trying to get back into the fleet and perform his duties on the ship. But, of course, he has the, the significant impediment of having no head. <laughs> I love it. So I'm always I hate trying it when to do that something happens. like that. I yeah, know. right? Right? God, I'm, I'm always it's slowing your whole day down. Could be. It could. It could. It, it wrecks your social life. Oh, yeah. How do you – How do you? Uh, do you remember, like, all of the stories you have written? I mean, you are uh, – you're listed as one of the prolific, you know, Star Trek writers for sure. I mean, you have so many pocketbooks to your name, and you have all the comic books and everything. Do you remember all of the stories that you actually write? Like, how do you how do you prevent yourself from repeating stuff you've done over and over again? Huh, you know, it's a good question. I don't think I don't think I, I think I can think of an idea and and decide if it's something I've I've never done before, but. But there are times when people come up to me in, at conventions and say, you know what, I love that book that you did. And I go, oh, yeah, I remember the book. And you go, and, and the person says, yeah, I, you remember how when Spock was up against that thing? <laughs> right. how, how, remember how you did that? And, and, um, Details. and it takes me a while to figure out what that was. Mm. Um, which is great because at some point I'll be able to go back and read all the stuff I've written and be surprised. <laughs> I, I just don't remember it all. I can't imagine that any normal human being would. I mean, I, I didn't know if you had some sort of like super, you know, photographic memory or something that allowed you to actually remember all the details because to me, the, the sheer volume of stuff that you've produced would be prohibitive to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a great problem to have, no no doubt. But um but uh yeah, it it is um it's a challenge. Sometimes I have to go back and research something I've written in order to write a sequel. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't remember the original material well enough and I don't wanna listen, I don't wanna screw it up because it's my stuff. You know, so so I have to go back and research it and see exactly how I did something before I before I build on that. And I would guess that there's a pretty pretty interesting balance between um, the ideas that you generate and the ideas that you are asked to write about. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I mean, mostly it's what what I've proposed. Um, occasionally, occasionally, um, it'll be an adaptation, um, or something that has to fit neatly into a particular, um, whole, but even then I have, I have leeway in terms of how I want to do it. For instance, I, I, um, I adapted the final, um, two-part episode of the Next Generation series, right? All good things. And... When you adapt something, about half of the book is is going to be, if it's a movie or a two-part uh, episode, about half of it is going to be just a matter of translating the script into prose. But the other half is, you know, 
what you what you want it to be, what fits with that. Um, and uh, I remember, for instance, I did the the adaptation of the Scotty episode, Relics, mm-hmm. and um, I had uh, I had um, a lot of material where they were um, in the Dyson sphere because we never they never did that in the um, in the uh, in the episode, but I can do that. I had the budget to, to yep. put them in that Dyson <laughs> right. sphere. You know, <laughs> takes you zero dollars um, to do that. <laughs> right, it was zero. It, it was actually yeah. zero. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so you 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 have to even even when you're doing something as uh, as uh, derivative as a as an adaptation. You still have to provide new material, and there you have you have options. So what I'm understanding is that most of the time, other than adaptations, when somebody comes to you and says, uh, "Michael Jan Friedman, I need you to write me a book," you have a lot of autonomy at that point. Often, yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, I mean, sometimes you still have to get it approved, and and some. Mm-hmm. Uh, some um, of the publishers and licensors that you work with, some of them are very, you know, loosey-goosey, sure, do whatever you like, and some of them are very, very rigorous in in how they look at what you're proposing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you just, uh, you just, you know, if, if you respect the material, that helps a lot. You know, you try, you don't try to, um, uh, mock it in some way, like, yeah. oh, this is a silly thing. Well, I'll just do this. You know, you, if you take it seriously, you're uh, you're halfway there. Well, Michael, and, have you ever? Oh yeah, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead, Eric. No, go ahead, Paul. I was just curious. It's like, is because this is an interesting subject. Is like, have you ever uh, wanted to do something a premise with an existing character? Right, you were talking about doing adaptations, and mm-hmm. and and had somebody either from publishing or whatever say, hey, "No, you can't do that. We we don't. That goes against our thing for you know whatever the the Bible is for for that." Have you ever gotten pushback for something you wanted to do as far as story with the character? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I wrote the Next Generation comic uh, for DC, and and I would I would submit uh, um, six plots at a time and typically you know four would get approved one where they would say no we're doing that already you can't do it we're doing it already and another one where they would say you can't do it and we can't tell you why interesting interesting yeah and and then eventually you would find out oh 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 now i see why i couldn't do that because it conflicts with something or the guy's not alive anymore or or something, <laughs> something along those lines. I can't have that character get married. They're going to get killed in the next week. Yeah. <laughs> One time I did a, um, uh, I proposed a four-part comic series, um, uh, Klingon-based, kind of Worf-centric uh, story um, called Shadowheart, which is actually one of the add-on rewards in in the campaign. And... Um, uh, the it, we we were getting we were we were in this in season six already of Next Generation, and they had mentioned that Worf had a human brother, but they hadn't told us anything about it. They hadn't elaborated. So I said, okay, fair game. I proposed this thing. It's got Worf's human brother in it, 
and they approved it. And then as I was writing, so, so four issues, I was writing issue three. Issue one had already been penciled and inked and lettered, and, and they were laying out issue two already. And we get a script, or, or DC Comics gets a script, with Worf, human brother. And it's like, wait a second, we're doing that already, and it's not the same guy. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 you can't do that. So I had to, in the middle of the whole process, I had to go back and rewrite um, the story using the information from the script so that it would fit with what you saw on the screen um, and try to preserve as much of the artwork as I could. So it was a moving target. It, it, was, it wasn't easy. Wow, what an exercise, man! That's that sounds super challenging, but but kind of fun too. I'm guessing, right? I mean, it it's, was it's really uh, it was about ten percent fun and about ninety percent, <laughs> you know, fucking jar of Yeah, all of your preconceptions and all, everything I was intending to do. It's just like, well, actually, no, we're not doing bowling tonight. We're doing baseball. <laughs> it's like, right, sorry, right. <laughs> that's great though. That's great. But, man, I just, uh, you know, everybody on the show has been kind of revisiting and looking over all of your credits, man. You, I don't even know, I mean, are you writing on a, you know, laptop right now as we do this interview? Because how do you ever find your It kind of seems like you're, you're on the toilet, you're in the shower, you're writing a paperback. I mean, this guy is like so prolific. I'm like, I'm like, good God, I'm, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's just like, it's, uh, I really admire uh, writers who just go. And uh, and just don't have a problem with being generative, right? I mean, it's just like you do not have George R. R. Martin's disease. Clearly, it's like you no. produce, brother. <laughs> I I I wish I had some of his diseases. That would be good, actually. I mean, you know, if I if I could uh, if I could write Game of Thrones, that that'd be a good disease to have. But um, but yeah, no, I, I you know something I I don't I don't believe in writer's block. There are times, you know, where I'll set aside a day, and, and I write every day, but I'll set aside a day from the morning, and I'll go, yeah, I have nothing going on that morning. At 9 o'clock, I'll sit down, and nothing will come out, and nothing comes out. And it's 10, 11, 12, the clock's, you know, going around, and, and nothing's happening. And then around 3 o'clock, maybe, all of a sudden I go, shh, that's what I have to do. Now I get it, and, and it'll just come out. It'll be like a cascade um, because I think, you know, people, people acknowledge writer's block and they say, oh, I've got that. And it's kind of, I don't understand it. And I'm just going to not write because I can't right? But, but there's always a reason for it. You know, maybe, maybe your characters are telling you they don't want to do the thing you're trying to get them to do or, you know, you're, you're pushing the story forward, but not in a productive way. Or you're heading towards something and you just don't know where. And until you figure out where you're going, you're not sure how to get there. there there's always a reason for the problem that you're having. And if you can figure out the reason, you can, you can move ahead. Do you How think that sometimes you... when you're like, uh, you know, weighing something and you're like, oh, nothing's coming, nothing's coming, and you're in that normal thing and you're kind of like, you know, kind of hitting a, a bit of a, a speed bump or something, right, like you were describing, 
do you believe that the subconscious is just kind of working away diligently in the background and that you're not even aware of it, but it's kind of just, you know, kneading the dough, so to speak. Do you think that's possible? Yeah. 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 It's possible that, I mean, you're working something out and, and you're either doing it consciously or, or it could be, you know, unconscious. I mean, sometimes I'll take a walk or I'll go, I, I like to kayak and, uh, and, uh, you know, I'll go for a little paddle and, and, by the time I come back, I figured something out. And, Isn't and that great? Something to, something to write that <laughs> great. day. The, yeah, it's just, you know, it's like, you know, if, if you're a bodybuilder and, and you know, you're, you're pumping iron, and then when you're not, your body's still, still working, right? Those muscles, even if you're not using them, are still working. They're still soaking up calories. And, and I think it's a little bit like that with the brain. After you've done this enough, your brain just kind of works, even if you're not, um, even if you're not in touch with it, moment to moment. You get to a point where you, where you just go, oh yeah, oh that's how I do that. Come on, that's how I do it. Fascinating, man. I just love to hear people talk about their process. Right now, it works for them. It's it's just mm-hmm. great, but. Uh, I love that, but uh, I, I just love seeing all of these uh, these different things, especially the comics that you've done, man. You've done so many different things. I mean, you've done like uh, uh, Green Lantern and Justice League. You've done a lot of different aspects beyond Star Trek, too, my friend. I mean, really, and and you've done some Batman too. Am I right about that? A little, a little. I I did the the I adapted the um, uh, the Batman four. Um, Batman and Robin, with the one with uh, George Clooney. I adapted that. Nice. I did, yeah, I did a, um, uh, a, a story in Batman Chronicles um, uh, about the Batmobile. The Batmobile was the hero. <laughs> That's of the story. awesome. That's awesome. So I figured nobody has ever done that before. I didn't think they had, so so I, I did that. Um, and yeah, I've you know, done a little of that. I did, um, I did a little Fantastic Four story for Marvel, um, and uh, you know, a little Flash stuff. Um, um, I did a a superhero series called Dark Stars that that was ran thirty nine issues um, in the early nineties. Wow, thirty nine uh, issues. Yeah, yeah. And and it's funny because, you know, back then, you know, early 90s, I think I think it was down to like 40,000 copies a month and they went, "No, no, we got to that's not enough." Now, 40,000 copies, I think it would be, you know, on issue 1000 already if 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 it was still around. <laughs> wow. Wow, man. That's it's those number they're impressive numbers. That's wild to me. It just sounds uh, I I hear like 39 issues. I'm like, "Wow, that's 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 so much work goes into a single issue and, and mm. uh, you know, so much time gets put in. It's just like, you're a prolific guy, man. I'm telling you, my hat's off. It's really impressive. Um, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel inadequate when I'm, when I'm not <laughs> producing something. So, uh, you know, it's just, just alleviating my anxieties. Well, I'm yeah, guessing it, you really enjoy it. You must really enjoy working. That's my guess. Uh, I, I do. I really do. I, you know, most most of the time, I 
I enjoy what I'm doing. You know, I mean, uh, aside from from the finished product, I enjoy the process. I really do. It's like it's sort of like a puzzle, like a big puzzle. And, you know, how do you get this to happen? And 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 how do you resolve this conflict? It's fun. You know, one thing I've always wondered about is how do you kind of avoid the what I would assume would happen every once in a while, which is over investment in a character that you love that then might not make it or a story that you love that somebody else criticizes and you have to change to like, how often does that happen where you develop something that you're very excited about that you then have to change later? Interestingly enough, it happens more when I'm editing myself than when I'm being edited by someone else. Ah, Because um, I'm, I, I, I have their, you know, when it's someone else, I have their concerns in mind. I know who I'm working for and I know what the franchise is or, or you know, if it's my own stuff. I, I, you know, I know who I'm dealing with. I know what I can do and what I can't do. And I'm, and I'm actually happy to have those extra walls to bounce off because it makes it easier. Um, when I'm working on my own stuff, I'm very of myself because I – you know, um, I'll I'll rewrite more than I will when I'm working for someone else. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I assume that you'll have versions that you'll then like take a look at over and over again, and sort of decide which one's the right one, or which ones need to be mixed together, or you know, which one actually achieves the goal you're trying to set for the character, the story, or whatever it is. Well, typically the, the, the version that I've rejected doesn't survive. You know, it's gone. And, and I've, re, I've, I've rewritten that part of, of the story, and, and, uh, and we're moving forward. I don't, I don't keep much in the way of rejected material. But, but occasionally I do have something that – that I go, wow, that's really good, but it doesn't fit here. It's not mm. going to help this story. But, boy, that's an idea, and I put it away, and it becomes another story. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that does happen. Um, it's like it doesn't work here, but it could work somewhere else kind of an idea. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and sometimes it works really well some, somewhere else. It's just not, not working there. And then there are stories, you know, that I that I go back to every so often, and I go, "Gee, this this isn't working." And what do I have to do to it? Well, let me try this. Let me try that. And you know, it might take years, but eventually I figure it out, and then it becomes a good story and something I can include in in a, a collection like the one I'm kickstarting. Very cool. Can I ask you one more question, uh, Michael, if I could? Ask as many as you like. (laughs) (laughs) Because you got a deep bench, man. And I look at – I mean, you've written like – you know, I just one of the things that stuck out to me because I love this character. But you've written, I think, what is it, like three books that kind of harken back to like the early days, Gary Mitchell and uh, James Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Brother's Keeper. My Brother's Keeper. I have never read those, and I'm going to be hunting them down like ASAP because I'm I'm fascinated by that. But – but when I saw that, right, it made me wonder like, right away. I was like, do you remember? And can you tell us like what your 
was there like a triggering primal Star Trek memory for you that like in whatever age when you first encountered Star Trek and you were like, wow, and you just were hypnotically drawn to it. Can you tell us what that might be? Do you remember that moment? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was the very first moment. It was, it was when, when, uh, um, you know, when you saw the man trap on television and I looked at that and I said, that, that's it. That's the thing I want to watch. And, and, and I didn't know it was the thing I wanted to watch till I saw it. And I said, that's the thing. Um, it was, I, I've described it since then as um, uh, using a phrase from the great Gatsby. Uh, in, in Gatsby at the end, um, um, he's talking about the, a Dutch, the first Dutch sailor that encountered Long Island. And he's looking at it, and, and it's an object commensurate with his capacity for wonder. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek was that for me. It was, it was commensurate with my capacity for wonder, the most I could imagine uh, at the time. I was very young, of course, but, um, but it, it just grabbed me. And, um, you know, I was watching it on a little black and white television, um, and it's still, it was still, the, you know, because prior to that, you know, you had science fiction that was not very well done or that didn't take itself seriously. This was, this was the thing that I, I didn't know I wanted, but I wanted. Awesome, man. It's just, it's, the clouds opened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. And uh, my brother's keeper, it's, you know, the, the thing that, that got me going there. First, first of all, I loved the episode, you know, the, the Gary Mitchell episode. And, and so that was, that was always in the back of my mind. But the thing that, that got me going was I was thinking about what would happen after the episode. You know, Kirk and Gary are friends. And their families would know that, right? And Kirk, Kirk kills Gary. And for good reason, of course, but, but he kills him. And, and then he, you know, he glosses over it by saying Gary was a hero and, you know, he died a hero. And that's the story that his family would get. But, it's, you know, but, but, but Kirk's walking around with this burden. Right. He killed his friend, you know, that you can't you can't, you know, uh, uh, whitewash that he killed his friend. And it's at some point in order to um, relieve himself of that burden, he has he has to go see Gary's family and tell them the truth. Oh, man. Oh, man. And that's hard. That right. That scene was in my head before I started writing any of it you know i said okay at some point we're going to get to that scene wow because like the only way he can move forward in his life is he's got to reconcile what really happened and he has to tell the truth it's like right that's that's powerful jim jim we're so happy to see you you know we're, we're grateful that you were gary's friend and well actually have a seat something we have to talk about 
awesome. Your son turned into an angry god. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And then yeah, I really, uh, and, uh, and he got the worst contact lenses anyone had ever seen on the ship. Mm. I he heard that those he was were really extremely uncomfortable to wear. <laughs> yeah. Like the actor actually 65, had... man, you bet they were. Oh, my yeah, God. Can you imagine? Like hard plastic. Um, yeah. But I will like, watch that episode anytime it's on. I've probably seen it 50 times. And yeah, it's just, yeah. it's like you're saying, it is so compelling, man, because it's like they come at, you meet them with this great backstory. You know, they're, they're friends. And Gary was his like more charming, you know, socially irresponsible buddy. And that's a great right. dynamic. It's so cool. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. I love that, that relationship and that episode and, you know, for a while, I was trying to figure out how to how to approach it, you know, like, you know, and I, I've actually approached it in a few different ways. One one is the um, in a book called The Valiant. Um, uh, it, it's a next generation book and Picard has to confront um, a community of people who've been affected by the cosmic barrier the way Gary has. And and it starts out uh, dramatizing that that first contact with the barrier um uh that's that that that's communicated to Spock in the in the in the episode like you know you know the captain of that ship you know everybody died and and so you see how that happened little by little that's that's the first part of the book and then it skips ahead to to Picard's um uh command and uh and it goes from there but it's called the valiant cool man God, these are just uh, i'm excited to dig into some of these man and and track these down this is so so my cup of tea michael so so it's uh I, i'm you're <laughs> i'm coming to you late <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm discovering you learn the game, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's like, uh, just discovering all these books I didn't even know about. Right? It's just been, uh, it's really exciting for me because I just, there's so much Star Trek fiction. Sometimes it's like can be mm. overwhelming. Where do you, where do you start? And what are going to be the compelling stories that bring you in? You mm. know, and uh, and there's just so much going on with you know the whole new rebirth of star trek right, right now right because of paramount plus it's just wild so many different corners of the universe on here but i like yeah. the old school stuff myself man so that's I, I think i think of the new stuff strange new worlds is my, is my favorite yeah yeah it's pretty they had a great first season didn't they they, they mm-hmm. did a lot of cool oh, stuff great. Yeah. it was great anson mount is is terrific and 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 um he and ethan peck are uh, you know I've met them and and you know they were uh, guests at a convention I was at and sometimes you know you go to a convention and the guest will do what the guest has contracted to do and they do it well and that's great and then other times the guest will will branch out a little bit you know for the sake of the convention and maybe they'll judge the masquerade and and that's even better but these guys came to the convention and you know one two o'clock in the morning they were still hanging out in the bar with anybody who <laughs> cared to hang out with them you know so that's awesome so they were really into it and uh, and you can tell you can tell in their performances 
you know how into it they are they're they're you know they're they're all in well, I suspect they're going to have a long run is what I think is going to probably happen on there. If that first I think year so, is too. Any clue. Yeah. But, uh, and really clever writing, really good uh, writing for the most part on there. I, yeah. was, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to forgive them for Hammer. <laughs> oh, like, wow. Yeah. Man, I love that character. I, I, I miss him bad, uh, bad mm-hmm. already. But uh, I hear they're going to hire well, him you for know, something else. So. You know, in comics, in Star Trek, you know, nobody's dead forever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so true. I like that idea. But uh yeah, no, they're they're great. And and it's it's you know, it's episode by episode, which is kind of refreshing after it's gone so far in the other direction. Um it it feels very Star Trekky. Are you uh while I'm interested in that, do you kind of have a slightly a sour reaction to the kind of episodic tendency of much of new Star Trek? No, no, no. I, I, I like it. I, I mean, okay. um, especially in contrast to the other stuff is, you know, con- considering we have both options, you know, I like that, you know, I, I, I can, you like that you know, versus the serial. Um, I think I like it a little better, but yeah, but if I wasn't getting any serial at all, Maybe I'd start to like that better. You know, it's it's it both both are great ways to tell stories, and uh, and I appreciate them them both. Um, yeah, yeah, they're uh, you know it's great to have all these options. I'm curious when it comes to older Star Trek. Um, you know, for me, Star Trek Enterprise is one of those places that got to actually get story arcs that lasted more than one or two or three episodes, which I feel like is what we were kind of limited to in the G DS9 Voyager days. Um, were you a Enterprise thing back when it came out, or are you now, or do you are you not a fan, or <laughs> where do you stand I, on I am not. I'll tell you what, I'm not a fan of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. There I said it. Um, and, yeah, and, and I'll yeah. tell you why. Um, you know, it, there was a time where I was, um, I was writing um, a, a serial that, that appeared in the backs of all the Star Trek novels that came out. So there were two novels in January, and they both had the same chapter in, in the back. And, uh, and it was, a, and it was a, a, um, a series of stories that would be collected and uh, and augmented and become a a novel called Starfleet Year One, and then we would do Starfleet Year Two and Three and Four and Five, Six and Seven, and and I was really looking forward to that. And just at the point where we had come out with the last uh, installment and we were about to collect it as as a book, I'm sitting at a bat mitzvah with next to Rick Berman's sister. Um, her, uh, her husband was my friend's employer. And so I had met her before. Her name was Judy. She was a lovely woman. And, uh, we're sitting there and, and there was talk about this, you know, series five. And, and I said, Judy, come on, come on, throw me a bone here. Tell me, tell me something about series five. 
And she goes, well, she goes, she looked around, make sure nobody else is listening. And she goes, think 200 years before Kirk. And I went, oh, that, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm doing that. Starfleet year one. I'm doing it. What do you, don't tell me that, please. She goes, well, that's it. So, so right from the get-go, I didn't like Star Trek Enterprise. Um, and, um, and then, you know, I mean, I liked the characters fine. What I didn't like later on is, is their insistence on playing with continuity. Mm. There are millions of stories to tell. Millions, you know. And so what did they do? They had to tell a Ferengi story. Even though the Ferengi haven't been encountered yet, right, why do you have to bring them into it at odds with, with established continuity? Hmm. And, and they did that over and over again. And I just, I just said, you know, why? Just, just tell a new story about something else and leave the continuity alone. <laughs> so that was the other reason that I, that I didn't like uh, um, Enterprise so much. It wasn't because of the, the actors. The actors were great. The writing was often good maybe not all the time but was often good um i just didn't i just didn't like the way they butted up against the continuity that it was beholden to that i'm sorry that it was beholden to that that like you had to be part of the continuity for it to work well well you you not only in broad strokes you know it it you once you establish that it's a prequel, yeah, there are some things you have to you can't mm-hmm. avoid. But there are lots uh-huh. of other things that you can, yeah. and and that's and they didn't they didn't make mm-hmm. any effort to avoid those things. They 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 sought them out. Oh yeah, let's do a springy story. Let's you know let's yeah. What what else can we do? The Borg. Yeah, let's let's do all that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. yeah, what do you and, think? And, you know, your, you know, someone else's mileage might vary, but, but, but there you go. Yeah, well, you're the one we have on the podcast, so you're the one we are, <laughs> right. we're asking, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Cool. Well, I mean, I think we all have a lot of respect for just as – Paul was saying like the amount of things that you've written and the the diversity of things that you've written and honestly I as a person who is a consumer of writing much more so than a person who like develops this stuff the sheer um, create the sheer creative kind of like um, willpower that is uh, necessary to, to keep the ball moving forward and have all of these stories coming out of you is is quite frankly stunning and and like you said you know it's a muscle you exercise often so it's a thing that you that you do in much in the same way anybody who's an expert in their field might generate uh amazing things that uh you know somebody else might not be able to generate so do you generate these stories and have ideas that (laughs) i don't think anybody else could have which i think is fascinating to me i mean i love new ideas i love new stories I love fresh outlooks on things, and it seems like that's kind of the playground in which you thrive. Well, I I feel comfortable in it. I, although I will tell you this about about original ideas, 
Um, I think I told you, you know, a few minutes ago about about my experience writing the comic, where every so often they would say, no, we've got that in development. And um, I also pitched to the shows. I pitched, you know, uh, episode ideas uh, with uh, with my friend Kevin Ryan. And um, uh, we started out pitching to the next generation, and it was very common to hear, no, we've got it in development, we've got it in development, we've got it in development. Hmm. No, this idea, this one just sucks. But that other one, got it in development. So, so you know, we heard that a lot, and they were encouraging. You know, whoever we pitched to, they would say, yeah, you know, keep it up. You're right there. You're just like a few weeks behind us. Hmm. So, so we pitched to the next generation a few times. We pitched one time to Ron Moore at uh, Deep Space Nine, and then we pitched to Voyager. And um, and one of our ideas was was um, Janeway plays Dulcinea to a Quezon Don Quixote, right? Oh, and, sure. And um, Jerry Taylor, who was the uh, the um, executive producer we pitched to, said, "I like that. Mm-hmm. I really like that." I have to bounce it off the rest of the uh, writing staff, but I like that. Let me get back to you. So, so for hours that day and the next morning, we were on tenterhooks. You know, oh my God, we might we might sell a story to Star Trek. That would be amazing. And um, and we get a um, a call the next day from Jerry, and she says, "We're gonna buy your idea. Oh, we're buying it. We're gonna make wow. that that episode." But I should tell you that if you had waited 24 hours to pitch it, <gasps> someone else would have beaten you to it because oh. we heard the same pitch just this morning. Oh, oh man. Wow. Right? And so you guys win the prize, and we had to tell the other people that it was already in development. Oh man, it was uh, Michael's downstairs neighbor. He's got his got his house bugged. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how he did that, but 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 oh. yeah. So so we. Um, oh, that's cr- what, uh, that'll freak out, man. I mean, uh, like, oh, right. <laughs> but but you know they were listening to you know hundreds of pitches every every wow. year because sure, sure. because Star Trek was the only show that listened to them. Um, there were anybody, literally anybody, could 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 pitch to them. Um, and so, uh, so we, uh, you know, they bought the story, and and the episode was called Resistance. Uh, it was with Joel Gray, um, who I don't know if you know who Joel Gray is, but but he uh, he used to be a pretty popular actor, and um, uh, he was the father of um, what's her name, Gray. Uh, oh man, I forget her name, but she was in Dirty Dancing, Jennifer Gray. Oh, Jennifer Gray, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so he's Joel Gray. He was in a he was in the original movie and I guess probably stage show Cabaret. Um and he was very popular at one time. Um but anyway, so he was the guest star uh in the episode and um and you know you know, um I'm sure you've heard people say, Yeah, I oh Hollywood, they took my idea and they my baby <laughs> crushed it and they mangled it. Oh, that never it. happened. Oh, oh I'm, just, I'm just sick to my stomach. How did they, oh, how did I let them do that? I'll never do that again. 
Well, our experience was completely different. Oh, wow. They were transparent. They were inclusive. They invited us to the, to the shoot. It was, it was an amazing, positive, uh, gratifying experience. Yeah. So, so that was that was that was a big that you know that was on my bucket list. You know, get a mm-hmm. get a an episode produced. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, I mean, even with all the books that you put out and everything, to actually have it on the screen, like there is there so interesting question for you. Is there a kind of mental line between you know? prime canon and the stuff that you write or is is that meaningful to you at all um i wrote it i always wrote it as if it could fit into the uh, screen canon you know i yeah i i always i always treated it as as if it were and so with reverence with reverence to like yeah what had come before yeah and you know and i and, and it had to fit like for instance my my Starfleet Year One book fit into the continuity much better than Enterprise did, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah. So, so I mean, no, there was no difference in terms of you know canon versus non-canon. I I wrote it as as if it were all the same, and um, and I think for people who read it, they read it that way as mm-hmm. as well as if it were part of the canon. To them, it was. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, as long as you're staying consistent with how the characters would react, how the stories would happen, uh, you know, I can imagine that you automatically have an audience then, right? Somebody who has already bought into the system <laughs> and mm-hmm, you're giving right. them stories that that are consistent with the system, so therefore they're going to like them more or less. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to be, you know, I always tried to make it, even if it was a novel, I always tried to make it um, feel like an episode, mm. you know, um, yeah. and, and, and particularly the dialogue. I like the dialogue to sound like it was taken from an episode. Well, I will say that for us, when we read books and review them on the podcast, uh, whether it's a novel or whether it's a graphic novel or whatever, I – I think I'm not uh, going too far to say that the thing that we enjoy the most is when you hear the voice of the character in the way that it's written, right? You can't mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. but actually read it in the voice of the actor who portrayed that character because it's written so well and so consistently with the way that that actor would actually communicate. Um, I'm I'm told that I was good at that. Um, <laughs> but But – but let me but let me say something else. You know, uh, I, I don't know if you've thought about this, but to me, the the um, literary experience is a collaborative process between the writer and the reader. Mm. And just as there are good writers who can who can really construct a world that that you can live in and uh, make the characters sound the way they should and uh, and draw you in i think there's a talent on the part of the reader people who who are uh you know big consumers of science fiction and fantasy i think it's because they have a talent mm-hmm. 
it's 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 not just that they're getting spoon fed this stuff. They are taking the the cues that the writer's giving them, and they're constructing a world and constructing characters, and and uh, and constructing feelings. Mm-hmm. And I don't think everybody is equally equipped as a reader to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would completely believe that because I think the more science fiction you read, the more you sort of get the way that science fiction writers put stuff together and, you know, try and communicate ideas. Yeah, but but I mean, if you're a good reader, what I would call a good reader, yeah, you know, you can, because when you think, of, if you really go back and look at a book, most writers don't tell you everything about uh-huh. this. Oh my gosh! Know? Yeah, right. They'll give you some yeah, cues for sure, and hope that you can fill in the blanks. And and some readers can, and and some readers have a harder time of it. I will tell you uh, that a reader that I, or a writer that I have been into recently, and I'm I'm curious if you've read her. Have you read the N.K. Jemison books? Um, I've read some of her stuff, but I've, I haven't had the pleasure of reading an entire book yet. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, not to put you on the spot, but like that Mm -hmm. for me, that is exactly what you're talking about. She is able to engage you in exactly the way that you were just describing. So, Mm -hmm. um, highly recommended. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, she's. She's very well regarded. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Jim. Well, I think I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Yes, we can hear you. Wow, that was weird. We have a caller on the line. You guys want to talk to a caller? Yeah. Sure. An actual sure. fan. Let's see. Let's see if uh, my gremlins have worked their way out of my system. Hi, All guys. right. Oh, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? <laughs> See, I'm calling from Kentucky. It's it's, it's the Jen. birthday girl herself. Happy birthday. Woo-hoo. Thank you. And if you've been listening, we're talking to Michael Jan Friedman, the man, the myth, the legend himself. <laughs> I have. Now I can go look up and some of his books to read. <laughs> some great stuff there. Some really great mm-hmm. stuff. Did you did you have a question, or did you want to say anything to uh, Michael Jan? I just appreciate your work. I because I write, but not like you write. I write for legal stuff, but yours is way more entertaining than the stuff I write. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same with me, Shannon. I write a bunch of engineering reports, but <laughs> not cool stories. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, th- those are those are different muscles. Right. True. So, Very so true. what? Uh, when's your birthday? Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Well, mm-hmm. happy birthday. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I missed it. Um, and and so yeah, what? Uh, sh- what the show wasn't on yesterday. <laughs> what what uh, what do you like to read? Um, actually, hadn't, I hadn't really read Star Trek until the last couple of years because I always watched it because Star Trek is a visual thing for me. But I've been mm-hmm. reading more Star Trek the last couple of years, but I also read like historical books from like authors that I like, sorry, 
historic figures of people that I admire, and like I said, just read Stacey Abrams' Murder Mystery at the Supreme Court, which is also kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that you don't know what's going to happen in the story. Well, I think that's probably true. You know, I, we were talking about a, um, a, a collection of short fiction that I'm crowdfunding via Kickstarter, mm-hmm. even as we speak. And and one of the things I strive for is to to make every story end in such a way that you don't expect. Um, you know, I was brought up on Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone, and mm-hmm. that was one of the hallmarks of Twilight Zone was, you know, t- twist endings. It, now, just because you have a twist ending doesn't mean it's a great story, but if you have a great right. story to begin with and then you can find a way to twist the ending, that's mm-hmm. great. That's great. So that's the, that's the thing I, I strive for in all, my, in all my short fiction. Cool. So I have to go look up some of your stuff starting tomorrow. I've got like three books I'm reading right now, so I have to finish some of those. Yeah, I'm. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. I'm looking at Michael's stuff and like uh, I'll order this one and I'll order this one, that one, and that one, and that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like I'm getting year one as fast as I can get it here. Michael, I'm looking at your Mm -hmm. Kickstarter page again because I want to make sure Mm -hmm. we get a chance to remind people of that and. because it's really, really awesome, and there's some really cool stuff on here. But I'm looking at a detail on here that jumped out at me. Are you in Port Washington? I am. <laughs> so I am. What, man? Northwest. Woo. No, Port Washington, New York. That is where my New sister-in-law uh, lives on Long Island. Yeah, no and uh, that's where, where my where wife and her family. What part of town? Um, it is uh, Tom's Point Road, I think it's called. Tom's Point Road. Yeah, Lane. sure. It's, it's by the marina. Sure. By Tom's yeah. Point Marina, sure. Yeah, exactly. No it's kidding. like she lives no. in a condo there, and we get out uh-huh. there about once a year or so to to visit, and uh, and yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> I probably uh, stood in line with the, the grocery store a couple of times, maybe. But uh, that's no so doubt. funny. No doubt. Yeah, uh, I love it there. So that's that was just like, wait a second. Uh, I mean, I know you're from New York because you're not hiding that accent anytime soon, my friend. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> like Fort Washington. Wait a second. So, yeah, you just get better and better, Michael. So, but, <laughs> but I know uh, well, we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to again just be. Sh- this is you know this is a guy who's done some uh, phenomenal contributions to the genre and to. Uh, pop culture and in particular to Star Trek. So uh, if you like uh, this gentleman's vast body of work, let's all be sure to go visit Kickstarter. Type in Thalos, Mm -hmm. which is I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly, but Thalos. No, no, that's correct. Which sounds Andorian to me suspiciously. That sounds like a cool Andorian name. Andorian. No, no. T-H-E-L-A-S, Thalos, right? And it's it's actually a a, Michael stories. Yep. It's it's not Andorian, but, but... If you want it to be, it can be. It's, you tell me. Donate if you back it at the, the right campaign. level, he can put an Andorian in there. So I can't. There are there are Anything aliens in there. There are aliens in there. They they might Everybody's, as well be Andorian. Uh, doing the multiverse these days, right? So you can squeeze right. anything right. in for the right option there. But this is really great, and it's super exciting because there's four days left on this Kickstarter. I guarantee you he's going to hit that, that total goal here because look how many backers are on here, and there's a, a lot of good opportunities to get stuff. So everybody listening, 
wherever you may be on the planet, because this show seems to reach far and wide when we do our fan shout-outs. It's Australia one second, and, you know, Newfoundland the next. We're all over the place. So be sure to check out this Kickstarter. Uh, If you like great short stories, I suspect that this is your destination uh, to fund this and uh, be a part of uh, helping Michael create something really special. Uh, So pretty cool. But uh, I've talked way too much, so I got to make sure that we get like Charles and Jim in here too. Well, on that note, on that note, uh, we're going to have to wrap things up because we still have a lot of other things to talk about. But I believe that Charles has the link for the Kickstarter posted on our Facebook page. Correct, Charles? Yes, it is. It's up there. Great. It's Thank on you. There. You guys go check it you out. can go right to our Facebook page and help Michael out and get these short stories. And before we, we go, Charles, did you have any questions for Michael? I just thought it interesting. If all the genres you've done – one that I'm surprised you never popped into was Doctor Who. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's funny. I I you know I I I I came to that late, and I just you know I I I think I've never felt really qualified to to write Doctor Who. Um, I think. Um, you know, there's a lot of material, and, and I like to feel, before I embark on something, I like to feel like I've mastered the material. And that's a, that's a huge task. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's not as accessible uh, to me as some other things. Star Trek wouldn't be either if I wasn't in on it from the very beginning. Right. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, that access, you know, there's a practical aspect to, to writing. You know, I, I do it for a living. So um, the amount of time that I have to spend um, researching, uh, researching, right, is, is, you know, is a factor in terms of what I choose to write. Excellent. Yep. Sounds good. Well, guys, yeah. uh, you, can, you can hook or uh, you can meet. Michael himself at Farpoint, which is in Hunt Valley, Maryland, or you can head over to Trek Long Island, and not only can you meet Michael Jan Friedman, but you can meet me as well. I will be there, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be doing a panel on how great Star Trek V, The Final Frontier is, why it's mm-hmm. the best Star Trek movie, and I'm also <laughs> going to be doing a panel on why Michael Burnham is the best Starfleet captain. So if you want to chime in, on either one of those two topics, uh, come to my panel at Trek Long Island. I'd love to hear from you. And, and should, we that, also, should we also do a panel on Port Washington? There we go. Let's do it. <laughs> it's not that far think, away. <laughs> Maybe Best Paul time to go to Louis. <laughs> Louis, right. <laughs> Is it more of a winter place, more of a summer place? I think it's more of a summer place for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I, it's been, I just uh, I just got to say it's been a delight getting a chance to chat with you tonight and to to discover this crazy volume of of creativity that you've done, man. So thanks for being such a phenomenal guest and uh, for all of your contributions to uh, science fiction and literature, brother. Um, uh, you're you're a gem. That's all I know. Well, thank you. 
Thank you. You only say that because you don't know me that well, but, but thank you. <laughs> I kind of feel like I do, you know? I feel like when I, when I look at what you're into and what turns your, your knobs, I, I kind of feel like I know you to one degree or another, man. So. Well, thank Brother you so from much another for mother. hanging out and <laughs> Trek talking with us tonight, Michael. We really, really appreciate it seeing you at Trek Long Island as well. Yeah, same here. Same here. I look forward to it. I'll definitely come and find you at your table. So mm-hmm. please, everybody, head on over to our Facebook page and click on that link and head on over to the Kickstarter, and let's make this happen. All right, thanks a lot, and have a good night, Michael. Great. Thank you. Thank you all, guys. Okay. Bye, Michael. All right, thanks, Michael. Cheers. All right, guys, Michael Jan Friedman in the flesh. All right, uh, time to do our fan shout-out, and if you'd like to be featured on the fan shout-out, Head over Is he to related to page. Colonel Friedman? Or Captain Friedman? <laughs> Captain Friedman. Possibly. Um, <laughs> and if you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means your name will be featured in a future fan shout-out. And Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs? I absolutely do. We are going to head to Pakistan to start our fan shout-outs. This week we're saying hello and live long and prosper to Mudassar Khan. That's right, from Pakistan. Mudassar, thank you so much for saying hello to us, and we say hello to you. And, uh, you know, Star Trek is a universal language, and so although I do not speak your language, I feel like I kind of do, right? That's awesome. Uh, we're also saying hello this week to Oksana Kaminsky from Gloucester, England. And I have likely mispronounced that, but it's because I lived in Boston, and uh, C-E-S-T-E-R is Chester. I can't help it. Osaka, thank you so much for listening to us and for saying hello to us. Marcus Otten, we're saying hello to you. You are in Cologne, good old Germany, you say. Yes, Cologne, Germany. I would love to go and see what's going on, where you live, Marcus. Thank you so much for saying hello. And we are also saying hello this week to top fan Brigitte Moreau. I am French, 28 kilometers from Paris, 9 from Versailles. Oh, my gosh. As an architect, I will tell you that Versailles is like one of the many meccas of architecture. I have not been there, but I hope to visit one day. Brigitte, thank you so much for listening to us and saying hello from beautiful France. Charles, I know you want to spin that globe and send our love somewhere else. I sure will. Let's go to top fan Carlo Harrison. Hey, hey, y'all, Baltimore, Maryland here. I'm a fan, fan Trekkie. Live long and prosper. Top fan, James Pennington from the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. He was also a top fan, if I didn't say. Brandy Wagner from Brandy, Oklahoma. Philip Silver from Halifax, Nova Scotia. David. David. Dave's not here. Okay. Patrick Garza from Texas. Howdy. Howdy to you too, Patrick. Lee Keeling from Hot Springs, Arkansas. Steve Evans from Red Oak, Iowa. And Paul Kentry 
from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Paul, where are you traveling to? Oh, man, you know, it's like Eric said, we got folks all over the globe speaking different languages, but we're reunited by our common tongue of Star Trek. Isn't that awesome? I love that. First of all, a great big shout-out, and thank you for being part of our family, to Natarena Beltrami in the Reggio province of Emilia in Italy. Phenomenal spot of the globe to live in. I believe, if a memory serves, that's like west of Bologna. So really, really awesome place in Emilia there. So wonderful to hear from you, Natarena. Uh, also, and this is going to maybe win a special award, I would say, to our fan friend Albert Kinslow that may hail from the coolest sounding place I've ever heard of and that maybe has ever been spoken on track talking before because Albert lives in a place called Isle of the Dead Newfoundland. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? What is that all about? And uh, I had to look that one up. And uh, it's a town, Isla Omort, uh, named after a formerly inhabited nearby island. In reference to all the many shipwrecks off the coast. Island of the Dead. So how cool is that, Albert Ginslow? Thanks for being a fan and living in such a cool place. We loved learning about it. And to top fan Uwe Krohn in uh, Wuppertal, Germany. It is great to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And finally, a uh, great big kapla. And thank you for being part of the Trek Talking family to Yossi Golds in Israel. It is phenomenal to hear from you, Yossi. Thank you for reaching out and saying hello. I'm passing it over to Jim. Well, I'd like to say thank you to Vicki Hill, who's listening in Brisbane, Australia. G'day, mate. We like to say thank you and Kaplata, Charles West, who's listening to us in Baxter, Tennessee. We also want to say thank you to Cliff Heine, who's listening in Phoenix, Arizona. And last on my list, we want to say Kapla to Chris M. Smith from Tacoma, Washington. And that wraps up our fan shout-outs, guys. Which means now it's time for Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. And this is the part of the show where we remember, sadly enough, those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us, and for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, we have 10 members of our Star Trek community who have passed before us tonight. We have first actor Arnold Moss, who of course played Anton Caridian slash Kodos the Executioner. Spoiler alert. Yes. Spoiler alert. Wow. In the first Don't tell Jim Kirk. I know the conscience of the king, and there was also a very excellent book that like digs into this just a little deeper, written by Dayton Ward, Drastic Measures. You need to check out that book if you care about this character. And I will say mm-hmm. that Arnold Boss was a fantastic addition to the Star Trek lexicon here. Um, He co-starred in the 1949 film Border Incident, starring, yes, Ricardo Montalban. That's right. He worked with Star Trek folks before Star Trek folks 
were even famous. He also starred in the 1950 MGM film Kim, based on the novel by Rudyard Kipling, and co-starring, guess who? Dean Stockwell. That's right. Uh, Ziggy him, or not Ziggy, but <laughs> the guy who consulted Ziggy himself. So yeah, Arnold Moss, uh, excellent actor, <laughs> kind of classic look, his nose, his face, like you just, you just sort of like look at this guy and you say, he is a classic actor. I love that episode, Conscience of the King, and the book that we get out of it is so good. So check it out. Arnold Moss would have had a birthday this week. Also saying hello and happy birthday this week to David Okatashu, who played yes. Anon 7 in the TOS episode of Taste of Armageddon. Uh, this guy, man, look at his face. I mean, tell me. One of the greatest episodes of all time, I think. I mean, just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And did you guys know that in 1964, he was actually considered for the role of Dr. Philip Boyce in the cage? So he could have potentially been our very first doctor that wow. we see. He would have nailed it, too. When he would have nailed it. He's so he good. Definitely would have nailed. He, he's so good. He was actually a little bit typecast during his career. He, was, he, he knew Yiddish. He was sort of typecast as either a Jew or an Arab often during his career. But he actually appeared uh, prior to his uh, Star Trek appearance with James Doohan in The Twilight Zone in the episode Valley of the Shadow. So David Opatashu uh, died in 1996 at the ripe old age of 90 – or excuse me, 76 years old. We do miss you. Great great uh role as anon seven in a taste oh, of our man thank you so much yeah yeah just so good um we're also saying happy birthday this week uh actually just a couple days ago january 31st 1927 was norm prescott's birthday and if you don't know who norm prescott is you probably should this is the guy who is the co-founder of filmation uh one of the producers of Star Trek The Next Generation. Or not Next Generation, sorry. The animated Animated. Series. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Yes. And um, we get lots and lots of animated series out of him. We have Filmation not only includes that, but The New Adventures of Superman, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, He-Man, Masters of the Universe. Filmation was all over the place in the early 80s. And uh, Norm Prescott actually uh, was at the center of that. There's a fantastic picture of him online with his pipe, which I think is very <laughs> 70s slash 80s. So happy birthday, Norm Prescott, just a couple days ago. Happy birthday also to Gene Marilyn Simmons, not the Gene Simmons you are thinking of, Jim, <laughs> but the one who actually... The great Gene Simmons. The great Gene Simmons who played Admiral Nora Satie uh, uh. in probably one of the top five like episodes of TNG of all time, four-season episode, oh. The Drumhead. Absolutely. Um, she is evil so Admiral. Good. Evil Admiral she, all the way. Okay, yes. Evil Admiral all the way, and yet with like positive motivations. Like, she was... Like, to me, Satie is one of the most complex admirals in all of TNG history. I love her so much. Um, she thinks she's doing good, man. She thinks, she thinks she she's doing good, she thinks right? She's and, saving us. 
Yes, she thinks yes. she's saving us. Yes, and she has this legacy to fulfill with her dad and like the way that he kind of did things before her and like it's very complex and so yeah, brilliant good. episode. Such a good episode. Gene Simmons, not only known for this fantastic episode of TNG, but also known um for many, many other acting roles. I mean, she was in Spartacus, you guys. She was yeah. in the North and South, which is that 1985 uh, television series about, you know, the blue and the gray type thing. Like, she was in all kinds of stuff. Soap operas. Um, she was Lawrence in Olivier's Hamlet. Shadows. Yes. And then later in her career, she actually got into some voiceover stuff. She was actually in the 2005 Miyazaki film, Howl's Moving Castle, which I am a huge Miyazaki fan, and I love that she crosses over into that. So thank you. Uh, she was like the grandma, right? Yeah. She yeah. is, man. Yeah, I mean, so cool. So cool, believe, man. I can't believe we lost her all the way back in 2010. Um, her very last thing that she would be remembered for was um, something called In Memoriam. Uh, she was actually uh, honored at the 82nd Annual Academy Awards and the 62nd Annual Emmy Awards in 2010, just before she died January 22nd. So, yeah, thank you so much, Gene Simmons. Uh, You were a titan, certainly. Also saying hello and sending love and remembrances out to Paul Carr this week. Um, Paul Carr played Lieutenant Lee Kelso in the original series of uh, Star Trek in the episode Where No Man Has Gone Before. Um, He was in a bunch of other things, but he actually eventually made his way also into voiceover credits, which I think is really cool. Um, He was in Ghost in the Shell, uh, a Japanese uh, anime film uh, back in the day as a voiceover character. He was in uh, Blood, the Last Vampire, which is also a, another extremely excellent Japanese anime film. So Paul Wallace Carr, uh, not only in Star Trek, but also voiceover extraordinaire uh, in Japanese anime stuff. We are also saying hello and uh, honoring this week actress Bibi Besh, born uh, 1942, died 1996, unfortunately lost way too early at the age of 54 years old. You say, who is she? She played Dr. Carol Marcus in Star Trek. Can I cook or what? Like (laughs) the most iconic, right? Like somebody who loved uh, Kirk. Somebody who had a son, Kurt's son, of course, in Star Trek Three. Many things happen, etc. Um, what I didn't know before tonight is that there is actually crossover with our guest for tonight. So BB Besh voiced the audio release of Michael Jan Friedman's novel Faces of Fire. So Whoa. there you go. Whoa. We <laughs> we had Michael Jan Friedman tonight. BB Besh would have had a birthday this week, February 1st, 1942, just yesterday. So there you go, people. That is the kind of value our podcast brings. Little crossovers that are kind of fun. Did you know that she was actually born in Vienna and 
was part of that kind of annexation of Nazi Germany way back in the day, 1942. Uh, became a soap opera star in the 60s and 70s, and then eventually made her way into an Emmy, an Emmy nomination as Outstanding Supporting Actress for a TV special in something called Doing Time on Maple Drive. Um, she just had a lot of talent, guys. Uh, there are many credits to her name. Bibi Besh, check her out. Uh, Do you know who her daughter is? Samantha no. Mathis. Oh, who's that? Samantha Mathis, really cool actress. Um, God, she's just, she was in Broken Arrow, that uh, uh, John Travolta picture. She was in American Psycho, uh, Pump Up the Volume. She's done like a ton. Wow. Uh, stuff. Uh, really, really. You you see her face, you'll totally recognize her. But uh, but yeah. You see That's that face. And, yeah, you see that face and you're just like, oh man, I remember her from Who's That Girl or Steel Magnolias or Tremors or like, yeah, you just you definitely recognize it. All right. Well, happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to B.B. Uh, Besh. Also saying happy birthday this week to Robert Mandon who we lost back in 2018. Um, he was a, the perfect Cardassian <laughs> to me. Uh, he played Kotan Padar in the Deep Space Nine episode, Cardassians, uh, one of those Cardassians who was just trying to do his duty for the Empire. Not the Empire, but like, you know what I mean. The guy who's like trying to do good by his people and uh, kind of gets uh, sidetracked just a little bit. Also a frequent guest star on Mission Impossible and many, many other television series from the 70s. He appeared in many motion pictures, including Light Fantastic, The Carry Treatment, Hicks and Boggs, and uh, also something called Zapped. So happy birthday, Robert Mandon. Happy birthday also to John Mahone, who uh, was born February 2nd, just today. Back in 1938, we lost him just back in 2020. He was one of those Enterprise uh, actors. He played Fleet Admiral in Star Trek Enterprise's four-season episode, In a Mirror Darkly Part 2, one of my favorite Enterprise episodes, honestly. Um, Mahone also guest-starred in Frasier with Kelsey Grammer and James Gleason and Joseph Will, of course, and appeared in the films Armageddon, L.A. Confidential, uh, Austin Powers, and Zodiac. Uh, he was also actually in The Exorcist. That's right, the original, as the language lab director. So John Mahone would have oh, had wow. a this week. Yeah, I know, right? Like, deep pull right there. <laughs> that's, and, that's a good one, though, man. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Mart Dane McChesney. Um, Mark Dane McChesney, uh, born in 1954, uh, unfortunately lost in 1999 at the very young age of 44 years old. He appeared twice in Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, uh, in both episodes, he had to wear heavy prosthetics and costume suits. Archive footage of his appearance as Armus, of course, we all knew who Armus was, was later reused. Uh -huh. In the second season episode, Shades of Grey, and McChesney was born in Abilene, Texas, Texas, uh, <laughs> and appeared in the 1984 horror film, Girls Night Out. 
Um, and our very final uh, shout-out this week goes out to actor Bailey, who played Magnus Hansen, first a human, then a Borg. That's right, Star Trek Voyager, fifth season episode, Dark Frontier. I'm sorry, Kirk. Uh, I didn't mean for you to be assimilated, but you have <laughs> a very nice Star Trek attack wing card. He his, He's done some cool stuff, uh, some B-movie stuff like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. He actually played uh, or has done quite a bit of voice work. And he's done, um, including not only Star Trek stuff, but he's moved into Transformers, which is another franchise I love. And he played Braun in the Bumblebee movie. He was also in Rise of the Planet of the Apes and The Tomorrow War. So happy birthday, Kirk. So many birthdays, so many people who have gone before us. Uh, I can't even, you know, continue. I mean, there's just so much remembrance and love going out to these guys, right, Jim? Absolutely. And we, unfortunately, we lost a member of our family just this week. Yes, we did. Uh, Annie Wershing, uh, Mm -hmm. who was a very young actress, actually, 45 years old. Um, She was the board queen who we knew from Star Trek Picard. So Sunday, uh, just this past Sunday, brought shock news that Annie Wershing had passed away. Uh, First reported on social media, the news was confirmed by Wershing's family. She played the board queen in the second season of Star Trek Picard. Wershing died of cancer after learning her diagnosis in just 2020. After uh, getting the news, the actress continued to work, and her recurring role in the second season of Star Trek Picard as the Borg Queen, being one of her final things that she was able to participate in. In the statement, Worshing's husband said, there's a cavernous hole in the soul of this family today, but she left us the tools to fill it. She found wonder in the simplest moment. She didn't require music to dance she taught us not to wait for adventure to find you go find it it's everywhere and find it we shall Worshing may be, uh, be best known for her role as fbi agent renee walker in two seasons of 24 she also had mm-hmm. regular recurring roles on bosch and runaways as well as a recurring role in timeless and the vampire diaries roles were in Picard and a recurring role on The Rookie. The surprising news of Wershing's passing has generated an outpouring of condolences from cast and crew of Star Trek Picard and beyond. And uh, we have some reactions from fans and stars like Jerry um, Yarin says but a beautiful bright light was lost today. I'm so lucky I've had the chance to play with the incredible Annie Wershing. My heart breaks for her beautiful family and everyone was lucky enough to know her. A GoFundMe has been set up for her family by at official ever official ever C-A-R-R-A-D-I-N-E. Please give, if you can, R-I-P, beautiful Annie. 
And in fact, Alison Pill, who we know as our most recent board queen, says, I am so lucky to have gotten to meet Alison Pill, uh, uh, or excuse me, I'm so uh, sorry. Alison Pill has been lucky to meet her. She was funny and wonderful and kind and will be so missed. Squeeze your loved ones today, and there's a GoFundMe set up for official Ever Caradine to help her family. In this difficult time, she will always be my Borg Queen. Issa Brioni said Annie Worshing was someone who her light shines so bright without even trying. Her exuberance and immense capacity for such generous love for those she met was so strong and continues through those whose lives she has touched. Her talent left me in awe and her hugs left me so smiling. It's so big. Hold on to those who you love, please. Life is beautiful and really short. Please donate, if you can, to the GoFundMe created by at official ever Caradine, C-A-R-R-A-D-I-N-E, for her beautiful family. Rest in peace, Annie. Michelle Hurd commented, Anson Mount commented, Doug Jones commented, and Lee Thompson commented. We have comments from Connor Trenier, Aaron Waltke, who has been on the podcast, said, heartbroken to hear of Annie Wershing's passing. She was a beacon of light in every role she played. Her work was some of the best I've seen in recent memory. My condolences to her and her loved ones. So... Let's just say that um, our podcast has been following Annie Wershing's uh, untimely death, and uh, we are with all of the fans. We have um, a deep reverence for the work that she already has produced in the Star Trek lexicon, and we will miss her. Uh, she did such a fantastic job as the Borg Queen, and um, I just uh, lost too early. Right, you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I feel like we kind of should head on to other birthdays. Right, Charles? Let's take on see the living. Okay, sounds like a good <laughs> idea. Let's start off with a big one right off the bat. James Cromwell is a veteran actor who's made several appearances in Stark franchise. And it's best known to Trekkie Trek fans for his portrayal as Efren Cochran, the Star Trek First Contact. He appeared in TNG, DS9, Enterprise, and Lower Dicks. One I didn't realize is he appeared in several of the Avenger the Nerd movies. Countless mid-70s and 80s show. And an interesting fact is the only actor to ever utter, utter the words Star Trek on Star Trek. In the film Star Trek First Contact, <laughs> his character Zephyr Conference says to the crew, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Delphine Lee Ashbrook played Melora Pazar in Star Trek D Space Nine's episode Melora. These next three are very interesting actors because all three of these are voice actors. <clears throat> Patton Oswalt 
Boy, he fought in in Star Trek Picard's second season, Penance. He's been the narrator for the Goldbergs. And so far, 237 237 roles, both in acting and voice. Gillian Thigmon plays Dr. Talon in Star Trek Lower Decks, commercial queen, for appearances dozens of TV advertising spots, and also appeared in The Hangover. And Paul... Shahir played Andy Billup in the animated series Lower Decks and made voice and acting roles to him hot as well. Paul, who's on your list? All right, I got a few on here that are pretty interesting. Uh, first of all, happy birthday goes out to actress Susanna Thompson. Uh, notably, most known, uh, we just were talking about one Borg queen, well, Susanna Thompson. Uh, played another iteration of, of the Borg Queen in Star Trek Voyager episodes, Dark Frontier, Unimatrix Zero, and, of course, Unimatrix Zero Part Two. So uh, it's interesting when you see a character uh, in the franchise who's been played by several different actors. So mm-hmm. happy birthday to you, Anna Thompson. Uh, birthday greetings also go out to Tamlin Tamita, who played uh, Commodore O in the first season of Star Trek Picard. <laughs> We're getting ready for season three coming up here shortly. <laughs> Uh, greetings also to Orville Cummings. Uh, happy birthday, Orville. He played Lieutenant Christopher in the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. And I got a nothing but love for this next one, man. <laughs> Just a massive fan of the great Jonathan Banks, okay, who we're acknowledging for his... Uh, I just watched this episode a couple of months ago, Battle Lines on Deep Space Nine, and Jonathan Banks looks like he just came out of a high school play. <laughs> He's so young, man. It's hysterical. It was just like, oh, dude, look at all that hair. Look at hair. all that hair. Because I'm used to seeing him as, you know, bald as a bullet bad guy, Mike Ehrmantraut on uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And fans, if you don't know Breaking Bad, I pity you and envy you because you have one of the greatest television experiences of all time waiting for you. If you've not seen this show yet, it is absolutely sensational. And uh, he carried on his role on the uh, the spinoff show, uh, Better Call Saul, as well. But absolutely legendary, double character of Mike Herman Trout. And uh, he's been in everything, all right, from Buckaroo Bronzai to the Gremlins. Uh, Jonathan Banks is just a living legend. I hope he gets just as much work as he can stand. Phenomenal actor and terrifying as well. So stay on his good side. And uh, massive affection uh, and greetings go out to the great Billy Moomy. Okay, wonderful actor who uh, we all, of course, uh, learned uh, to know from his childhood role as uh, young Will Robinson on the classic Lost in Space. But, of course, we're acknowledging his work on Star Trek as Crewman Kellen in the Deep Space Nine episode, The Siege of AR-558. But uh, amazing. Uh, Will, do you think we could program the robot to make chili con carne, Will? You could do that for me, oh, the <laughs> So Billy Mummy, great guy. Billy Mummy, I'm sorry, my pronunciation software is failing me today big time. 
Uh, I know you're uh, buried under many, many feet of snow, and the wind chill is like what now? 75 below, Jim? But I'm hoping you can uh, handle these next couple ones for us. It's getting there. We want to say happy birthday to Daryl Henrique, who played Portal 63 in the TNG episode, The Last Outpost, and more interesting, played Ambassador Noclis in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. This next guy... Uh, he has he's best known for Lieutenant Commander Data. Uh, he appeared in all four Star Trek films. Most recently, he played uh, Data bro- Data's brother, Lore, Data's father, Doctor Noonien's son. He played B four in Star Trek Nemesis. He appeared as Eric Soon in three episodes of Enterprise, Alton Indigo Soon, and Adam Soon on Star Trek Picard. And he's going to be reprising that role in Star Trek Picard Season 3 as Lore. And, of course, we're talking about none other than the great Brent Spiner. So happy birthday to Brent Spiner. And I always save the Klingon for last, and I've got a couple here. We want to say kapla to Susan Howard, who played Mara, is the first female Klingon to ever appear in Star Trek and have lines. Uh, and she appeared in the TOS episode, The Day of the Dove. We also so good, man. Lot. She was great. So good. <laughs> she was awesome. Yeah, she had a lot of guts, Absolutely man. Awesome. She was really, it was, she was tough. It was a great, great introduction of uh, for female Klingons, right? Uh, to set the bar there. But she was really cool. Great role. She was, she was absolutely awesome. We want to say kapla to Chad Hayward, who played Kakath. The Star Trek Voyager episode, Real Life. And the last Klingon on my list is Christine Rose, who played Giral in the TNG episode, Birthright Part 1 and Part 2. She was the uh, female Klingon who married the Romulan commander mm-hmm. on that outpost. And you might think Do their to parents yourself, know? <laughs> I, well, Worf, boy, I think you're going to cause happy. a lot of. I hope they find out before the first big family holiday dinner. You married a Romulan? What the hell is what? wrong with you? Get out! Yeah, without honor. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Those mixed marriages and get crazy. All right. You know, I always save the biggest and the best for last, and of course tonight is no exception. Uh, the next person that we want to wish happy birthday to. Actually, um, I've never had the pleasure of meeting her in person. <laughs> however, however, uh, she has been a regular, frequent visitor to this podcast for a very long time. And she was kind enough to get me an autograph from the awesome Anson Mount, who is the man. I think he's just incredibly mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, she was nice enough to get me an autograph uh, and send it to me. So that was really, really cool. And although I never had an opportunity to meet Shannon in person, I feel like I know her (laughs) pretty well, chatting with her on the podcast over the years. But I think that Eric and Charles, uh, who have had the opportunity to meet her in person, uh, might have a few words to say about the awesome Shannon. Oh, yeah. I mean, Shannon, like, right from the get-go, she has this, like, energy about her, which I was so excited about when I first met her because I obviously also have a certain energy about me. And and I feel like we hit it off right away, right? Like, we bonded. We decided we were going to go see that uh, Picard uh, 
premiere together, and um, it was just really special. So, Shannon, you are an integral part of this podcast. We always appreciate when you call in, and um, thank you so much for being here for so many years and for being somebody whose opinions – like, honestly – we are a bunch of old white dudes, right? So anytime we get a, <laughs> a like point that is outside of that lexicon, it is we appreciate it big time. <laughs> so thank you so much, Shannon. Who you call yeah. old? Old man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A long time to You know what? You, you sit well, outside. I'll meet you at the park. Old. <laughs> old. I'll show you who's old. <laughs> well, we've got a cup. We've got a uh, special chat for some of our some of our fans, and Shannon's always up there telling them what's going on, letting us know what's going on with their life. Mm-hmm. Great chats with what's going on with her. Oh, I can't make it tonight, but I'll chat with you guys while I can, yeah. and we still get to see what she's up to. So which is all just having her around. Yep, Shannon's another one of our healers. She can stop when she can, but she's all there to support us and keep us mm-hmm. And with yeah. that in mind, Shannon, I'm going to send out mm-hmm. this very special Weird Al Yankovic happy birthday song and dedicate <laughs> it to you. <laughs> With another mouth for feet Seems that everywhere you look today There's misery and greed I guess you know the earth Is going to crash into the sun But that's no reason Why we shouldn't have a little fun So if you think it's scary If it's more than you can take Just blow out the candles And have a piece of cake Happy birthday Happy birthday to you Happy birthday Happy birthday, <laughs> Shannon. I hope you had a great, great birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys. Sometimes Ooh. I do think I need to call in just so you have a girl's opinion on her. Anyway. Yes, yeah. please. Thank you. <laughs> we need yeah. you. We need you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and it's always great. It's always great. Even if we just hear from you in chat, it's great to hear from you. So totally. thank you. Thank you for being an Thank awesome Star Trek fan and supporting us. And uh, we, we actually have a caller on the line here, guys. What? And I know what? it's late in the show, but let's see if we can squeeze in a caller here. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where you're calling us from tonight? Supply, my brothers. It's Ray. Ray. Hey, what's up, Ray? Hey. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate guys, that. I, yeah, guys, I know, I know, I know, time is limited, but guys, let's put our money. Let's, you know, let's put our money on this line. Who are we gonna do this? This the um the Eagles or I mean all the Chiefs? Uh. I have to say, from my standpoint, I do not care about either of these teams, but 
I have to pick the team that Court does of the not night, have, I do not care. I have to I have to pick the team that does not make me cringe by their name, which is the Chiefs. So I am Eagles all the way, baby. Eagles Wow. Chiefs is freaking racist, dude. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I was going to say the New York Mets, but I think that's the wrong sport. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 hey, man, Uncle Jim, how do you move from baseball? How do you move that quick? Well, yeah, well, you know what? Because I don't follow football at that's all. Right. I, I, that's right. I know. So <laughs> that's that's why. <laughs> oh, I, I see that. So, so uh, uh, time, I just have to. I'll give you my shout out. I say hi to everybody. And I'll call you guys next week. You guys get to enjoy your night, okay? And be blessed. Thanks a lot, Ray. You have a good day, man. Have a good night, and try, try to stay warm down there, Ray. Try to stay warm. Yeah, I am. I am. All right. Thanks for calling, Ray. Hey, All right. Bye. Say hello to your wife for us. Always. All right, guys. That wraps up another show, believe it or not. And I want to say thank you Aww. to the awesome Michael J. And Friedman for hanging out and chatting with us. And, of course, thank you to our very own Shannon for calling in and sharing <laughs> her birthday with us. So thank you so much, Shannon. And thank you, thank you to Ray from the Bronx for calling in. We love to hear from Ray. Thank you to our very own Charles for hanging out and track talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. It was interesting talking with uh, Michael Jan. Yeah, I, I missed half of it. There's a lot. Yeah, you have to you have to go back. You have to go, you're going to have to go back to talking.com and get the link to the show so you can listen to the show <laughs> and hear about <laughs> what he said. You're not you're not too far rub that off. in, brother. That's it. <laughs> The gremlins were acting up again, and it took me about 45 minutes to get this thing back working. I missed all of it, so I'm going to have to go to TruckTalking.com. Nobody nobody noticed because we just carried on the show. Nobody noticed that I was gone? I just thought you were really quiet for some reason. I don't know what happened. I know Shannon noticed. Paul and Eric just took the interview. They just... They kept yeah. going. Yeah. Well, and the gremlins disconnected me. I had to call back in, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, I just, Shannon. I yeah, just figured Jim was in the bathroom, right? I mean, that's easy with that. Once every show, For right? Minutes, it was yeah, yeah. You know what happened? My Kindle started talking to me and doing all kinds of weird stuff, and I, it, just, it, it just kicked me off. I was like, what's going on here? So anyways... I want to say thank you, of course, to Eric for hanging out with us and truck talking as well. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to Paul for hanging out. And thank you guys <coughs> for stepping in and taking over when the gremlins kicked me off my own podcast. So thank you for that as well. <laughs> hey, man. Community, community effort, right? It was great to have him on here. Uh, terrific guy. It is really nice when you have somebody who's willing to uh, – open up and talk about the writing process and who's, you know, just contributed so much. He's written so many different things. It's just, uh, uh, you know, you got to really respect and admire um, the work that that guy's put in. Uh, really, really great. I wish him the best success with his Kickstarter and his uh, book of stories. 
And I got to say thank you to Edwin for putting me in touch with Michael Jan to get him on the podcast tonight as well. So thank you, Edwin, for making that contact. I want to let you guys know that there is no new Star Trek next week. We got two full weeks to wait for Star Trek Picard uh, Season 3. But we do have Strange New Worlds comic books to talk about, the Illyrium incident. And we're going to talk about issue number one and issue number two uh, next Thursday. So please check that out. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Please, everybody, (laughs) try to stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and Good night, all. Stay safe, New Englanders. Let's see what's out there. Engage. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.